0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian
1: Church. Thanks for listening. Scripture reading today will be taken from 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 and chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. I'll give us a moment to grab our Bibles or you can follow the passage on the screen. Reading from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, Pastor Andrew will now speak to us God's word. Okay, great. Okay, let's go to God in
0: prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, truly want to pray that you will help us through the Holy Spirit to cast aside things which distract us and which preoccupy us But instead, help us today as we look at your word to really come to it with a great sense of solemnity and a great sense of uh, reverence so that we may know the true meaning of Christmas and what it means for us as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, do you all know who this person is on the screen? Okay, some of you are nodding your heads. Okay, this guy is uh, uh, quite a world famous... um, uh, cook his name was uh, Anthony Bourdain and uh, he was actually some unknown 43 year old chef in New York City just uh, cooking french fries in the restaurant uh, when he published this book which was very famous called Kitchen Confidential and uh, at 43 years old he went from this nobody to this really well, well-known world famous author and cook and he went on to star in many uh, different uh, shows which basically showed him traveling around the world uh, exploring food culture eating all sorts of really exotic food uh, you can go to the internet youtube there's lots of shows with him recently the, um he actually uh, came to singapore as well so uh, he came to singapore he hung out with uh, this sito guy you know the maka sutra guy uh, he also went to vietnam in, in hanoi uh, there was actually a show with him having a meal of fur with President Obama in Hanoi. But recently there was a documentary which came out about Anthony Bourdain. And uh, the filmmaker actually explored his life and actually found him to be really quite profoundly unhappy with life, like behind and away from the cameras. He was actually really dissatisfied and he was searching. And so this is what the documentary maker Morgan Neville said about Anthony. Bourdain. He said Anthony Bourdain was given everything he always wanted. So imagine like you're 43 years old, you're the struggling cook in New York City, and now, you know, he was given money, a chance to travel in many, many places. He himself said, you know, he never saw himself going to Paris, let alone going to Hanoi to eat with uh, President Obama, and he had freedom. But does that mean that he found happiness? Now, I think that that's what many people in this world go through, right? They're going through the world, they're looking the pursuit and searching for happiness, searching for purpose, searching for meaning, searching for hope in this world. I believe very strongly that as we come today and we look at just six verses, or only six verses in the Bible, and we look at Jesus as we celebrate Christmas, we realize that actually Jesus and Christmas is so much more uh, than what the secular world thinks Christmas is about. But actually in this person, Jesus Christ. There is the coming fulfillment of the search for happiness, for hope, for meaning, for purpose in life. Now, really, secular Christianity sorry, secular Christmas has lost everything that has made Christmas worthwhile celebrating, right? Uh, today we are left with a Christmas which is full of meaningless presents, full of meaningless songs about reindeers and snow, about manufactured happiness. But what is the reality of what we celebrate in Christmas? What is it that makes it such a big deal? So, today we're just going to look at six verses. So, it should be really straightforward. And I'm going to color code it because, you know, I've got all these colors in my uh, PowerPoint. So, I might as well use it. So, the first thing we learn is that that which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning. And that's what we celebrate in Christmas that which was from the beginning. Now, it's very easy for us to, when we read this uh, uh, phrase, right, that which was from the beginning, to think that, that Jesus was from the beginning of earth, from the beginning of life on earth. But that's not what the passage is really saying. The passage is saying much, much more than that, that Jesus, that which was from the beginning, was from the very beginning of time, from the beginning of space, from the beginning of matter. He was there at the beginning itself. Now, uh, these are the pictures of uh, the universe from the, space Hubble, the, the Hubble Space Telescope. And when you really consider just for a moment, right, just, just spend a moment thinking about the immensity of space. Like space is made up of the universe that we live in. Right? And the universe is made up of billions of galaxies. I mean like billions of galaxies. They can't count how many galaxies there are in the universe. And within each of these uncountable galaxies are stars which are themselves uncountable, right? And so we live in a galaxy called the Milky Way and we live on just one star in this one galaxy called Earth. Now, the universe is is so big and so wide that uh, scientists think that, you know, the age of the universe is perhaps 13.8 billion years old. And so... Just to give you a perspective, uh, what we're really saying when we say Jesus—that which was from the beginning—was that Jesus was there before the universe, before the galaxies, before the stars, before 13.8 billion years ago. And so, when we celebrate Jesus, when we when we think about Jesus at Christmas time, we're thinking about really big topics of life, right? Because Jesus is about the origins. And origins are big topics, right? Who we are. Where do we come from? What is our beginning? And that's what Jesus is about. That which rose from the beginning. We also see from this passage that it says that Jesus, which was with the Father, which was with the Father. So two things we learn about Jesus here: that Jesus was divine. He was God in every way. He was with God the Father. And he is in close, intimate relationship with God the Father. And so put together, Jesus is not this small, insignificant, irrelevant baby in the manger that we think about at Christmas time, right? Jesus is this big, big, significant person. Now, who are the most powerful people of today? Who are the most influential people of today? Who are the most important people of today? They are Joe, Z, and Mark, right? Who are Joe, Z, and Mark? Joe Biden, Xi Jinping, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Joe, Z, and Mark, the president of the United States, the president of the People's Republic of China, founder and owner of. Facebook, or now called Meta, right? These are the most important, significant people of the world today. But beside Jesus, they are nobodies. They are nobodies because Josie and Mark, as powerful as they are, they are just humans, right? They are just creatures. They are mere mortals. But in Jesus Christ, we have the divine. God, creator, immortal. And so, who is Jesus that we Remember, during this time of Christmas, He is from the beginning. He is with God the Father. Now, thinking of how big and significant and powerful Jesus is, what does He do? The life appeared. This Jesus, who was with the Father from the beginning, comes into our world, makes manifest Himself, comes and presents Himself in bodily form, into the world, and before the world. Now, I want you to think again about the most important people of the world, right? Josie and Mark. Now, imagine if you were going to America on your VTL, and uh, you write to Mark, try not Mark first, you look at Joe first. You, look, you write to Joe Biden and say, you know, Joe, uh, my tour group is going past Washington, and I'd really like to visit you at the White House. What do you think Joe would say? Joe wouldn't bother replying to you, I think. Imagine you wrote to Xi Jinping and you said, you know, hey, I'm dropping by Beijing. I I heard a really good Beijing duck in Beijing and I'd really like to have dinner with you. You think Xi Jinping would have dinner with you? No, right? Or you write to Mark Zuckerberg and say, you know, I'm going to California, my tour group is coming and I'd really like to catch a movie with you. I don't think Mark would really bother, right? Because see, the reality is the more important you are, the more significant you are, the more powerful you are, the more you keep your distance from the ordinary people. But imagine, right, Jesus, who is from the beginning, who is with the Father, He doesn't keep distance from us, but He closes the distance to want to come into this world, to manifest Himself in this world, to, 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 to come into our existence and creation and to meet with us personally. I mean, that's remarkable. That's awesome, right? I mean, it blows your mind. How do we know that this is really true, that the one who was from the beginning, who was with the Father, appears and wants to have a relationship with us? Well, the passage says, repeatedly really in chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, the life appeared which we have Seen it, we've testified to it, which was with the Father, has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. And so here we have these repeated use of all these verbs, right? I've heard, I've seen, I've looked, I've touched, I've seen, I've heard, I've touched, right? So the point that the Bible is trying to make is that what we learn about Jesus is not a vision, right, that someone saw. It's not a dream that someone dreamt up. It's not a philosophy that someone thought up. But rather, it is something which was real, which was based on eyewitness. But not just eyewitness. It was ear witness, and it was touch witness. So the story of Jesus that we celebrate and remember at Christmas time, it's not some sort of propaganda. It's not a myth. It's not a hoax. It's not a fairy tale. Like like Santa Claus, but is founded on reality and truth. Now, the big news, the last few days, has been, uh, you know, this uh, lady, Raisha Khan, uh, who is uh, accused of lying before the parliament. Okay? Now, this is a really serious thing, like lying before the parliament. And so, uh, the parliament set together this thing called the Parliament's Primitive of Privileges. And so the role of the Parliament's Committee of Privileges is to investigate and to find out the truth about whether Risha Khan lied to Parliament. And so what did they do? They called eyewitnesses to testify, like this person, Mrs. Lo Peying, and Mr. Yadushitra Nathan, right? They testify before the Parliament's Committee of Privileges in order to find out what is the truth, what is the reality. And that's exactly what the Bible says that it is doing for us. All right? That's what John is doing. We have seen these things. We have touched Jesus. We have heard Jesus. And so what is our role? Our role is to testify to what really happened. Now, this testimony is to teach us something about Jesus. It's not just to tell us that Jesus came into the world. It's not just to tell us the reality of Jesus manifesting Himself into our creation. But rather, is to tell us about what Jesus seeks to do, what He's come to do, what is the purpose of Him coming into the world. Now it says there that they come to proclaim, right? John has come to proclaim, we proclaim concerning the word of life. We proclaim to you The eternal life. Now, I want us to pay attention to the word that I circled there, right? The, the definite article, okay? The eternal life, the word of life. Very important definite articles, right? It's not saying that Jesus is a person who has eternal life. He's saying he's the only person who has eternal life in all of existence. He is the eternal life. He's unique, special, one-of-a-kind who has eternal life in himself. Now, this ties in very well with what we read earlier on, that Jesus was with the Father, right? He is divine. And one of the characteristics of being divine is being eternal. I I mean, that's what defines you as being God, right? If you can't live forever, you're not a God. So this is Jesus, the eternal life, the one and only eternal life. He's also the word of life, not a word of life, but the word of life. And what he's trying to say here is Jesus is the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the only one who brings life into existence. Now, in John chapter 1, it clarifies this a bit. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, when you put those two ideas together, the word of life, the eternal life, it actually shows us that what Jesus has come to do when he appeared is not to give us life that we already have, right? All of life, all of existence comes from Jesus already. But when Jesus comes again, the word of life offers us the eternal life. I think about that for a moment. The word of life, the creator of all life that we live now, comes again to give us the eternal life. The word of life comes to bring us what He uniquely and exclusively has of Himself eternal life, which nobody else has, to offer this to you. The word of life comes to offer the eternal life. Now That's really amazing, right? Because Jesus offers what He exclusively has in Himself. It's like nobody else has eternal life. Only He has eternal life. It's not good enough that he gave us the word of life and creates us and gives us existence and breathes and and we can eat and walk, but he gives us even more, right? The eternal life. Now think for a moment, what is the most important, precious asset that you have? What is the most important, precious asset that you have? It's not your house or your money or your career or your car, but it's your life, right? Your life, I mean, that's the most important asset that you have, right? Your life. Uh, if you've ever met anybody in hospital, uh, they may say to you in some of the more down times that they have, that, you know, I'll give up everything I, I own just to have another week of life. But here we see that John in the Bible proclaims to us that the word of life, the creative force of life itself has come to give you eternal life. Not a 50, 60, 70, or 80, or 90 years of life, but eternal life. Now the passage goes on to say that it's not that Jesus comes to give us the word of life about eternal life and then goes off and does his own thing, right? But there's more to it. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now again, this is deep and this is really profound. What we see here ties into what we know about Jesus. Jesus was with the Father. Jesus was with the Father. That means that from his very beginning of existence, from the very beginning of who he is, from the core of his character, central to who he is, his personality is, is that Jesus is a relational being. Jesus is a relational being. Now you consider all the other religions of the world. Right? Jesus is the only God who, as its core characteristic, is relational. He is always in existence and in relationship with God the Father. And so in the same way, Jesus, when He comes and the life appeared, invites us into this fellowship, into this relationship that He already has with God and Himself. Now, this is really amazing, right? Because God is not inviting us here into a superficial relationship or a shallow relationship Or acquaintance relationship but he wants us to have the very deepest relationship that he shares with his son we are invited to have the close intimate relationship which God has with Jesus his son now we live in a time where I guess one of the characteristics of our our relationships in the world that we live in is one of brokenness and one of isolation and one of loneliness And so, here in this uh, cartoon by Charlie Brown, on Charlie Brown, sorry, Charlie Brown didn't write his own comics, okay? But on this comics here of Peanuts, uh, Lucy is uh, mocking uh, Linus, right? Because Linus wants to become a doctor. And so Lucy says, You know, you could never become a doctor, you know why? Because you don't love mankind, that's why. But Linus says, I love mankind, it's people I can't stand. And really, this comic characterizes very accurately uh, the state of relationships in the society and the world that we live in. So more and more, especially for young people, uh, they characterize their relationships as one of loneliness and isolation and brokenness. Right? You might have a lot of friends on social media, but actually how many deep and meaningful relationships do you really have? But it's not just young people who feel this brokenness of relationship, old people feel it too. So there was a recent article in the South China Morning Post about how actually in China, uh, the old people there are feeling really lonely as well. And so there's this uh, grandma who's 80 years old, who's become like a a viral, uh, uh, um, I guess, a viral person who people are aware of because She's sharing viral video, videos about how lonely her life is. And so I'll just quote you what I wrote an article. An elderly woman in central China turned on her phone camera and pointed it to herself. Uh, Good morning, everybody. I live by myself and I'm very lonely. I'm 80 years old. And because I'm still able to talk, I spend my lonely days making short videos. How, how sad that is, isn't it, really? But this is the nature of the world that we live in. But this is really a characteristic of the world we live in because we, made in God's image, are relational beings. And we, we, we seek relationship. We seek deep relationship. You know, we, we, we need deep relationships. But the relationships we have in the world are shattered and corrupted and destroyed because we've rebelled against God and sin has come into this world. But what Jesus does when He comes back into the world is He invites us out of our isolation and our loneliness and our broken relationships to have a deep relationship restored with Him and the Father. A restoration of this deep, deep relationship which we all long for. Now, we see this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God? And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, we now we are children of God. What is the depth of the relationship that Jesus is inviting us to? It is the very deepest of relationships, right? That we are now family of God, we are children of God. That is how much love the Father has lavished on us. Because if you think about it, the closest of relationships that we can really have is in a family, right? I mean, obviously we live in a world where people have broken families, and they don't experience love in a family setting. But ideally, right, in the way God has made the world, families, right, are are the, the, I guess, the the place where you find the deepest relationships. And this is what God is inviting us to with the coming of Jesus. Now again, this is mind-boggling, right? Mind-blowing that Jesus, who is from the beginning, who is with the Father, comes into the world to invite us to this depth of relationship. I want you to think for a moment of the most important person that you've ever had a relationship with just think for a moment, who's the most important person that you've ever encountered in your life? And what sort of relationship did you have with them? The most important person, the most powerful person that you ever met. I think uh, the most powerful person i ever met was the CEO of Dairy Farm. Uh, Dairy Farm, they they, they own uh, Cold Storage and they own um, Guardian Pharmacy, right? So, one day, I was invited to go to his house for dinner. Now, Wonderful meal, great house. Uh, but I never saw him again after 30 years, right? In fact, if I bump into him today, I still don't know whether he remembers me. But but Jesus doesn't come to invite us for one meal. right? Jesus comes to invite us to be part of God's family. To lavish the love of God upon us. I mean, that's just so amazing, right? Now, What the passage also tells us is that we're not just meant to believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, have faith in Jesus in isolation, right? In splendid isolation. But rather, if you look at the passage very closely, we're meant to have a fellowship of believers, and together we are part of the fellowship with the Father and with His Son. You know, the way that Christmas is portrayed in the media is always a very family-centric, very narrow focus, right? You know, a lot of advertising about uh, Christmas is all about the nuclear family or maybe the extended family who come together around the Christmas tree, opening presents and enjoying a meal, right? So, okay, there's an ad here for Heineken. There's an ad here for H&M. But what the passage is actually saying is the, the unit that we come together as to to celebrate Christmas. It's not the family unit, but it is the fellowship of believers. We come together because we know the true meaning of of Christmas, that Jesus has come into this world. And we together recognize our fellowship with one another, together within God's family of the Father and the Son. I was just uh, listening to a podcast last week that actually... This time of the year, Christmas, New Year, can be a very depressing time for people who are single. It can be a very depressing time for people who are widowed or divorced. Because the media, society keeps, keeps portraying this time of the year as a time for families. But actually, if we understand what the Bible is telling us, uh, as we remember Jesus, it is, it is because we are all in fellowship with one another that together we are, in a way, celebrating our fellowship with God the Father through the Son. So, in conclusion, I'd like to come back again to Anthony Bourdain. It's interesting because if you ever watch his, um, his uh, episode with uh, President Obama in Vietnam and Hanoi where they're having a, a bowl of fur, he asked President Obama, whether things are going to be okay for his daughter when she grows up. Because he wants to look forward to the future with hope, right? So for Anthony Bourdain, it's very important, you know, what's the future going to be like for my daughter? But the reality is that actually, we live in a time, in a world really, where there is very little hope. We live in a world of hopelessness. So we live in a time where there's a possibility of nuclear war we live in a time where there's more and more demonstrations and riots and the breakdown of society around the world we live in a time of COVID, which is obvious that's why we're all wearing masks we live in a world where possibly there's going to be severe global warming in the future so what is the answer to these very deep and serious and pressing issues of the future. Is there any real hope? Well, for most of the world, the answer is positive thinking, right? Just think positively. Try to be happy and look at the bright side of life. But in reality, that doesn't really help, right? And that's why in the world that we live in today, more and more, uh, we struggle with mental health because we see the world as it really is, and we struggle with the world as it really is. But the passage in 1 John, oh, okay, so, so it's very hard to live without hope. But the passage actually tells us very clearly that if we understand that Jesus, the life has appeared, the one who was from the beginning, who was with the Father and He has come to offer us eternal life and fellowship with the Father and the Son. Then we have a certain hope. We have a concrete hope. In fact, we have a realized hope, right? Because I really like what it says here, right? Now, oops, now it says there, okay? Now, now we are children of God. It is not some hope that it's abstract and wishful and empty. Now, because we're children of God, because the life has appeared, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall be like Jesus in every way. We shall be truly and fully eternal, uh, like have eternal life. But we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So I hope that as we have looked at just these very six simple but deep and profound verses, that we understand a bit more of the depth of just what it means that Jesus has come into this world, who He is, what He brings to us, the purpose of His coming, what His invitation to us is. And that as a result, uh, this Christmas, we will know a different sort of hope and a different sort of certainty than what the media or what the world is giving us. But rather, we may know the truth of who Jesus is, and we will accept His invitation to a fellowship, an eternal fellowship, with his Father and himself. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to ask that you will watch over us, that you will open our minds, open our hearts to be able to see the true testimony in your word in the Bible. That Christmas is not about celebrating Santa Claus or presents or snow or the Christmas tree, but rather what it really remembers is the birth of your Son. He who was from the very beginning, He who was with you, who is divine in every way, who is the Creator God, the Word of life, the eternal life. He has appeared, He has come to invite each and every one of us to have the eternal life that He has, to invite us to an eternal fellowship of deep, perfect, intimate relationship with you through Him. So we pray for each and every one one of us here, that we, as the fellowship of believers, uh, can really come together and celebrate Christmas as it really should be celebrated. The a recognition of who Jesus is and what He has come to bring us. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor, for speaking to us. Uh, we'll now go into our breakout rooms to discuss uh, the passage that we have just heard, uh, the message of the gift of hope that we have heard. It So the two questions for today, uh, based on today's uh, Bible passage, why is Christmas so special? And why is Christmas the season of hope? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany
0: Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online
1: at bcpc.sg.